everyone and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program broadcasting live. I said it, yes, live from right here at KPFA in Hushin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight on Full Circle, we continue with the spring fun drive and continue to bring you valuable information beneficial to our communities yes um on tonight's show we'll hear three different interviews from three graduate apprentices one is me speaking with kelly ferguson of rainbow community center in concord two we'll hear from joy moore as she speaks with liz carlisle on using indigenous regenerative gardening and social justice and three, our own Miss M will speak with Gracie Jones of East Bay Community Law Center. And of course, we will be asking for your support tonight as part of our spring fun drive. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewill and Franklin, coming to you live. Yes, live from the KPFA studios. Stay tuned. All right. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. And um, my name is Freewell and Franklin. I will be your host tonight. And before we get started, let me just say it's good to be back in the KPFA studios. And Full Circle hasn't been live from the mothership here um, just but a couple times since the outbreak of the coronavirus back in March of 2000. So I really want to give a big shout out to management and everybody in the station for keeping us, the staff, safe. But at the same time, now looking into ways that we can safely return to the station and reconnect with our KPFA station community. I haven't seen a lot of people in so long. And I've seen Mark uh, from the news today, um, a bunch of other folks I haven't seen in so long. So it's really good to be back. Also, there's new equipment all around me. The KPFA studios have gone digital while I was out. So I'm back getting training as we speak. And you can check out the kpfaapprentice.org website after the show tonight to see some pictures that we'll take of the new control room and, of course, me. Yes. <laughs> and, yes, like always, I'm excited to be contributing to the fund drive. KPFA is a precious resource filled with vital information and unique music programming. We are a listener-sponsored station. That means we keep operations going through your donations. So at any time during this show tonight that you feel moved to donate to this important media outlet, please do so at kpfa.org. And if you want to talk to a human being on the phone, you can also call 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. 
So get on the website, check out all the cool KPFA swag, the T-shirts, the hats, the beanies, whatever, the cool books, the band book bag full of band books. All these things are on the KPFA website. That's kpfa.org. And don't forget, anyone who donates any amount tonight or during this fun drive will receive The Politics of Sex, a collection of powerful women speakers busting myths and breaking taboos about the reality of women's lives. Featuring Gloria Steinman, also featuring Angela Davis speaking about her book, Blues Legacies and Black Feminism, including Gertrude Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, and Billie Holiday. And also Eve Ensler and her inspiring call to action for girls everywhere to speak up and become the women they were meant to be. All that for any donation amount tonight. So if you haven't renewed your membership yet or you've never become a member, this is a good time to do it. It's 25 bucks. Go to kpfa.org. And again, you could also call 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY. Franklin's back in KPFA. (laughs) All right, let's get on with the show. As I mentioned in the intro to the show, tonight we'll be featuring some community organizations because we know that resources can save lives. And that's why we believe it's important to share resources on the air with you. I believe human beings are social and communal beings And we thrive when we are nurtured and supported. So in that spirit, I want to kick off the show with an interview I did just yesterday with Kelly Ferguson of the Rainbow Community Center of Concord. And their website says, Rainbow Community Center builds community, equity, and well-being among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, and intersex people, that's LGBTQIA plus people, and their allies. Since 1995, they have been offering support and social opportunities opportunities to the LGBTQIA plus communities and their allies. That's us. Um, Our guest, Kelly Uh, Ferguson is a queer femme, passionate about using her fundraising and communication skills to elevate the important work of the Rainbow Community Center. She goes by the pronouns she and her, and she has identified with feminism since high school and studied women's and gender studies at Simmons, a women's centered college in Boston. All right. Welcome to Full Circle, Kelly Ferguson. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, glad to get you on KPFA. So I guess the first thing I'd like to know is tell me what got you so passionate uh, to get involved in a place like Rainbow Community Center. Absolutely. You know, so I got involved with Rainbow Community Center because I'm a proud lesbian. And to be out and proud as I am was only made possible through having specific spaces I've been in over the years. You know, I went to a women-centered college in Boston, studied women's and gender studies, and I also volunteered for years with a feminist nonprofit in Boston that promotes empowerment for girls and gender nonconforming youth through musical education and performance. But, 
you know, these spaces being diverse and inclusive and supportive and having the visibility of seeing other queer and trans folks out there thriving, succeeding, doing different kinds of work, you know, that really helped me in turn to realize and form my own identity. And so with Rainbow, I chose to join because it's such an amazing organization for so many reasons. You know, not only have we been around since 95, but we are the only LGBTQI plus service provider in the area. And we've got comprehensive services for the LGBTQI plus community, as well as their allies throughout Contra Costa County and beyond. Um, And our mission is to build community equity and well-being among lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, gender, queer, questioning, and intersex individuals, and then their allies. So their partners, their family, their friends. Um, But I'm just truly so proud and thankful to be able to be a part of this work. Likewise, I feel totally honored having Rainbow Community Center right here on Full Circle in KPFA. Now, in our culture, our American culture, being gay or queer in any way has always been considered taboo. If you were parents and had a gay son or daughter that may be attracted to the same sex, or heaven forbid, someone who may be trans, this has always been discouraged and frowned upon. Using your experiences at the Rainbow Community Center and some of your personal experiences, talk about the culture of stigma and what it eventually leads to, like kids being kicked out of their homes, physical attacks on gay or trans people, as well as attacks on gay and trans people through laws and legislation. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, I've seen a lot of change just in my lifetime and even since when I was in college in terms of the mainstream acceptance of queer and trans individuals, and especially with the passage of marriage equality. Um, We were really coming so far as a society in terms of increasing our acceptance, but also just an increased awareness and education around LGBTQI plus issues. But, you know, as you said, at the same time, the culture of stigma in our society of homophobia, transphobia, it does lead our community members to have a lot of different challenges they're faced with. Um, So some of those can include struggling with being closeted, um, you know, experiencing higher rates and prevalence of mental health issues, substance use issues, and the difficulty of really finding a loving community for yourself. Um, And then in addition to the stigma, as you mentioned, too, there's not um, legal recourse and meaningful, adequate protections for people against being fired for being gay um, or being evicted, et cetera. Um, And then with legislation, of course, there's transgender sports laws and practices shifting actively. There's the bathroom bans for trans and gender nonconforming people. And there's over a dozen states right now who have pending don't say gay laws that are prohibiting schools from using a curriculum or even discussing topics of gender identity or sexual orientation with youth. And so with all of those myriad things, our community is under attack right now in a very serious way. So with, you know, organizations like Rainbow Community Center and other LGBTQI plus nonprofits and community centers, we really exist to serve individuals and families and to create a place where people have a sense of belonging and they're able to counter some of the isolation and the stigma that they're experiencing out in the world, um, and especially during the pandemic. So we're really able to make sure that people are appreciated, seen, safe, welcomed, and just well. And it's so vital, especially while, you know, in this current moment, our community at large is under these kinds of attacks. Organizations like ours exist to support the community and to, at the same time, 
increase other people's awareness and ability to create equitable, diverse, and inclusive spaces and workplace environments. Um, so that's what we do through our professional development and training programs. And we're just getting out in front of the community at large, different groups, schools, government entities, um, companies, and helping make those spaces better too for our community. Definitely. And you talked about a lot of the um, the negativity and the attacks on trans and gay people and just people that, you know, show any sort of queerness, it seems like, in our culture. That's how the Rainbow uh, Center becomes such an important place. And we know what it's like when people seem to get desperate and really have no place to turn. And we're going to go to um, the Trevor Project's 2022 report, and it's a national survey on LGBTQ youth mental health. And in that report, they state that 45% of the LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the last year. And 73% of youth reported experiencing symptoms of anxiety. 58% felt like they were experiencing symptoms of depression. And what we want to talk about is we know that these numbers get dramatically reduced when the kids grow up in a supportive environment, not a um, a stigma environment where they're they're forced into the closet, as you said, closeted or attacked or you know shunned for trying to be themselves. So talk about how the supportive environment helps. Definitely. So, you know, that same prod, that same report from Trevor, their findings were that LGBTQ youth who found their school or community to be gender affirming um, actually have much lower rates of attempted suicide. And so, again, with the training and professional development that Rainbow Community Center is doing with schools and with other community groups, we're able to facilitate the creation of a gender affirming environment for our young people and to literally save lives from those individuals. And one thing I didn't mention in uh, my little opening to that was using the proper pronouns or addressing people by their chosen identity. Talk about the importance of such a simple act, what people always seem to deny trans or gay people. Absolutely. So, you know, that's really a key and a very simple, easy way that you can show your support for different members of the LGBTQI plus community. So, um, just things like when you meet a new person, um, the typical conventional thing is we read their gender through their body and through their voice and we'll assign either, okay, I'm going to address you as he, him, his, or I'm going to address you as she, her, hers. And so conversely, the best thing to do is just to ask people when you meet a new person, um, what pronouns do you like to use or to offer your own? Um, you know, nice to meet you. My name is Kelly and I use she, her, her pronouns. What pronouns do you use? And that simple act because of the experience of trans and gender nonconforming people to um, the gender dysphoria that can happen when being mis, um, misgendered through the pronouns can be really disruptive um, to people's functioning and, and ability to feel well and to be recognized and to have a sense of belonging. Um, so there's even things you could do like putting it in your email signature, putting it on a name tag. Um, so a lot of the cultivating these practices of how you show up in conversation with individuals, whether you think they look LGBTQI plus or not, sometimes it's not easy to tell. And so just having that practice of doing it in conversation and then um, doing it when your name is in written form too can really support and and live out allyship in a way that helps individuals who um, who don't have that and who really need that. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't take a lot from uh, somebody to just do that, and it really shows your support in an open way. And Kelly, tell us about some of the services the Rainbow Community Center offers our brothers and sisters out there. So Rainbow Community Center has clinical mental health services, and all of our clinicians are master's level and above. And we also make it accessible to people who are on Medi-Cal or um, through a sliding scale. And we've got queer and trans uh, clinicians on staff, so people can really feel welcomed and uh, supported. We also have youth houselessness services for young people experiencing houselessness between the ages of 12 to 24. We're providing hotels, rideshare vouchers, public transit vouchers, clothing, et cetera. With our HIV education and prevention program, we're doing free and confidential weekly testing at Club 1220, so you're able to access that. And we are focusing on supporting our Spanish-speaking communities around our HIV education and prevention efforts. So we've got things that are translated and bilingual staff able to support you. Um, We have programming for youth, adults, and seniors in our social and support groups and our different events. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we have our professional development and training program, which is offering customized programs for companies, schools, and government entities that want to increase their LGBTQI plus cultural competency. And then finally, we have a regular food delivery service for those who are disabled, immunocompromised, um, LGBTQI plus seniors, and uh, those who are HIV positive. So we're doing that as well. And then additionally, we've got Uh, lots of different youth programming offerings that are also affirming for our young people. And so, for example, we've got a a lot of social and support groups. Um, One of them is, for example, Trans Teen Talk. So it's just kind of a space where trans and gender nonconforming young people can make friends, meet others who share their identity, and just be open and have a sense of belonging again instead of um, experiencing stigma and the lack of acceptance in their community, they're able to create that right with Rainbow Community Center. We also have our very first Camp Fierce, which is a new offering from Rainbow. It's a summer camp for LGBTQI plus identified youth who are coming into the third through ninth grades. It's going to happen this summer in Pleasant Hill. Um, And Camp Fierce, uh, Fierce standing for Freedom of Identity and Expression through Rainbow Community. So, you know, while young people might not be getting this kinds of affirmation at home, in their church, in sports, or after school activities, or in their schools, we're really able to provide that for them. Wow, those are some tremendous services. All right, well, speaking of supportive environments and communities and being uh, an ally and how much of a difference that could make in a person's life, what would you want listeners to consider as they go through their daily lives in relation to interacting and being good friends and neighbors and allies to our LGBTQIA plus brothers and sisters? Definitely. So I would say, you know, continue to inform yourself and educate yourself. Um, Whether there's groups and there's organizing already happening, you can join into those efforts. Like if your employer has employee resource groups, um, things of that nature, that's helpful. And then, of course, just support the work that's happening on the ground with organizations like Rainbow Community Center. Um, So one of the highest needs and one of the best ways to support us is by making donations. You know, we're a 501c3 nonprofit and we really rely on people's contributions and support. And um, so if you if you're able to do so, you can head onto our website and make a donation. Um, You can follow us on social media visit our website and sign up for our e-newsletter so you get event invitations and updates 
um, if you know people who are members of the LGBTQI plus community in your life, you can refer them to Rainbow Community Center for social and support groups and other services. You can refer people to our training and professional development if they are working at companies or schools or government entities that would be interested to contract with us. Um, and then we're always looking for volunteers too to come out to our events. And um, we've got several other opportunities that you can volunteer with us that's really meaningful, fun, and helps the community. So there's a lot of different ways to plug in and there's no time like the present to start. I agree. No time like the present. And we almost forgot to mention you got a couple events coming up. Tell us about the the most recent events that are on the way. So Saturday, June 11th, we're having a pride event at Del Cielo Brewing Company in Martinez. That's going to be from 12 to 9 p.m. So we'll have daytime hangouts with DJ, Loteria game, uh, raffles. And then in the evening, we're going to have a Rainbow's Got Talent show. So we've uh, this is our third annual Rainbow's Got Talent. And in the past two years, it's been virtual. So we're so excited to be able to showcase queer, trans, and gender nonconforming talent right from the community in person this year. So come find us and sign up to attend um, our Pride event on Saturday, June 11th. It's going to be fun. Thanks again, Kelly Ferguson, Development Director for the Rainbow Community Center in Concord. And before we let you go, can you tell our listeners the best way to reach out and contact the Rainbow Community Center just in case they want to find out more about these events or maybe seek your services or even volunteer? Absolutely. So you can head right to www.rainbowcc.org, and that will have all the information about donating, volunteering with us, um, joining in our different programs and services out in the community. Um, It will all be right on our website. All right. And of course, like always, we'll post a link to all that information, their social media and their website on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight, or at least within 24 hours of the show. Well, again, thank you very much, Kelly Ferguson of the Rainbow Community Center of Concord. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am Prewell and Franklin, and you just heard my special guest, Kelly Ferguson, representing the Rainbow Community Center of Concord. Please visit our website later tonight to get all the important links and information Kelly mentioned, including the information to their Pride event, Rainbows Got Talent in Martinez. And that website's kpfaapprentice.org. And a quick reminder, we are asking for your support tonight for KPFA and the Pacifica Network KPFA is a listener-sponsored station and has been that way since 1949. In fact, we are the first listener-sponsored radio station in the country going since 1949. That's 74 years. Let's keep that going. If you are able to help out tonight, please go to kpfa.org and make a donation tonight. We just heard Kelly as she spoke about Rainbow Community Center and all the services they offer, all the support they offer to our LGBTQI plus communities. They are saving lives out there with their services, saving lives. They're making a difference in their communities. 
and you are learning about them right here on KPFA. So please, if this is vital information to you or a loved one, take a moment and show your support for us here at KPFA so we can continue to bring you this type of important information. The website is kpfa.org. And like I said earlier, if you want to talk to another human being, you can call 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And don't forget those numbers Kelly mentioned. 45% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide last year. 73% reported experiencing symptoms of anxiety. 58 Symptoms of depression, 58%. And it's proven that support like that provided by Rainbow Community Center reduces those numbers significantly, significantly. So show your support for the Rainbow Community Center and KPFA. The number to call is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And the website, kpfa.org. And if you need a great thank you gift, pick up the band book bag, get it full of banned books. Then uh, get them uh, before the next book burning. Yeah, book burning is happening here in the United States. So a quick shout out to some of you who have donated tonight. Anonymous from Santa Rosa. Thank you. And oh, uh, yesterday on the Bay Tour. Thank you so much. And Anonymous in San Francisco. Thank you. Full circle rocks. They said, yes, thank you very much. And real quick, before we go on to the show tonight, the number 1-800-439-5732. You can remember that by going 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And the best way to make a donation is our website, kpfa.org. And while there, you can also look at all the uh Books, CDs, DVDs, T-shirts, hoodies, socks, beanie caps, um, book bags. It's all there. So, again, shout out. Just got um, another donation from Richmond. Uh, Francesca, thank you so much. A KPFA hoodie. All right. Let's move on to our show tonight. Thank you all so much. You know I'm back at the station for the first time in two years broadcasting live, and it feels good to get some donations on the line. So, again, thanks, everyone. Let's go on to our next segment for the night. Um, Coming up next is graduate apprentice Joy Moore. Earlier this week, she sat down virtually uh, with Liz Carlisle, an associate professor Professor, professor of environmental studies at uh, Univorda, University of California, Santa Barbara, and the author of Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming. Good evening. Welcome to Full Circle. Tonight, we're talking about community organizations, and I am especially happy to introduce Liz Carlisle. She's an author of an, a new book called Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming. It is fantastic. It's published by Island Press. And this is only one of Liz's talents. And I'm so excited to have her here to get to know her more about what she's doing. And I want to begin, before we hear from Liz, at the beginning of the book, she has a quote by Robin Will Kimmerer 
from braiding sweetgrass. And it's so luscious and full of imagery and lifestyle that I've embraced that I just had to share it right away. And I wish I had written this, but I didn't. (laughs) So it begins. Know the ways of the ones who take care of you so that you may take care of them. Introduce yourself. Be accountable as the one who comes asking for life. Ask permission before taking. Abide by the answer. Never take first. Never take the last. Take only what you need. Take only that which is given. Never take more than half. Leave some for others. Harvest in a way that minimizes harm. Use it respectfully. Never waste what you have taken. Share. Give thanks for what you have been given. Give a gift in reciprocity for what you have taken. Sustain the ones who sustain you, and the earth will last forever. And again, Robin Wall Kimmerer, Building Sweetgrass. Welcome, Liz. Such a pleasure to be here, Joy, and I love hearing you read from Robin Wall Kimmerer. I feel like <laughs> you two are soul sisters, and, and not just soul sisters, but soil sisters as well. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And um, I just want to put a disclaimer out there. I've known Liz for a long time. Her partner and I actually um, both went to UC Santa Cruz Farming Garden Program, not at the same time. Um, but he, uh, Arts Patrick, is also um, a professor at UC Stanford, and he's um, teaching gardening and regenerative farming uh, to students. So tell us about the book, Liz. Tell us more. First, before we do the book, tell us more about what you do. Yeah, well, I have the tremendous privilege to work with young people um, and, you know, get them turned on to the world of food and farming and the ways in which they can be involved in, um, you know, the food sovereignty movement, really. So I get to teach in the environmental studies program at UC Santa Barbara, and um, we get to work with a lot of great community organizations and a lot of wonderful young people from all over California. That sounds so great. And it's the future, you know, there's a movement going on, uh, garden, farming, food movement, reconnecting people back to our roots. And that's one of the words that I love to use, too. Roots. Without roots, we're, we sway in the breeze and fall down when the wind is too much. <laughs> so let's talk about the book. And again, um, I love the title of it, of course. It's Healing Grounds climate justice, and the deep roots of regenerative farming. Now, why did you write this book and what do you hope that people get out of it? Yeah, well, I'm really excited that there's been more and more conversation recently about this idea of regenerative agriculture, the idea of a food and farming system that gives back to the land, that gives back to community. Um, And it has been a lot more in the mainstream in recent times. Um, Maybe some of your listeners have seen um, the movies uh, Kiss the Ground or Biggest Little Farm, or maybe you've seen this word being discussed. It's now in kind of the United Nations and the conference of parties when they talk about climate change. They talk a lot about 
agriculture as a climate solution. We can put carbon back into the soil. We can draw it down from the atmosphere through things like compost and soil building cover crops. And there's such hope, I think, in this solution and the idea that instead of being, you know, a quarter to a third of greenhouse gas emissions, that our farming systems could actually be drawing carbon out of the atmosphere. So I'm really excited about it. But also I'm discouraged sometimes when it gets talked about as just kind of a narrow technical solution or as just this very novel thing because you know what I sort of delved into in the book and what I learned a lot about is that regenerative agriculture rooted in the ancestral knowledge of indigenous communities and communities of color that we're on the front lines of an extractive agriculture and have been for hundreds and hundreds of years who saw the problem with that approach to agriculture a long time ago and have been as a as a form of resistance and survival cultivating these regenerative agriculture methods not just as isolated techniques but as, as i think so beautifully highlighted in that passage from braiding sweetgrass as part of a whole life way or lifestyle as you were saying joy as part of a relationship with land that's reciprocal rather than extractive and so i think it's so important that we take leadership from those indigenous communities and communities of color who really have the plan <laughs> for how to realize regenerative agriculture as a powerful climate solution and also really powerful medicine for people as well. And um, I know you explored this in the book. I haven't finished it yet, but you and I have talked well a lot and we do have a lot of the same ideas and beliefs and practices. One of them for me comes up and I bet you it's in the book. Uh, the reason why regenerative was not um, conserved those practices because they're not um, capitalist. <laughs> you know <laughs> yes. what I mean? When you grow food to eat and survive and feed your family or your or your community, that's one thing. But when you're growing food to make a whole bunch of money, you're bringing slaves over, you're knocking people out of the box and taking their land and all that, then regenerative is not the key. <laughs> that's it's exactly right. It's all about right. money. It's all about money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I think sometimes folks who are maybe newer to this don't understand is that it, it when you think about it, it's just ridiculous. Why would you take and take and take carbon out of the soil if you plan to stay there? That's ultimately going to going to bite you in the butt. Right. <laughs> um but if you have a mindset that that land and the people on that land are just a resource to extract from, you know, if you think about that colonial history, that was the approach of European explorers and colonists is we're just going to Take from this land and we're going to build it up as wealth, you know, back in these cities where we come from. And so that that is the history. That is why agriculture has been structured the way it has. And so if we're going to talk about regeneration, I think we really need to do it on that level of healing and understand that, you know, the processes that caused that carbon to be taken out of the soil, that involved a lot more than just carbon being removed. It was, you know, people who suffered as well. And if we want to become whole, that involves people as well. That involves, you know, land justice and land sovereignty and food sovereignty. Yes. And the lack of water and climate change is, ca is causing all of us to rethink these methods, I think. <laughs> it's important um, that people understand the words. One of them, the regenerative, I have been teaching gardening for 14 years. And one of the things that I 
stress with my students. First of all, all life is valuable. There are no weeds. Dandelions and the such are very valuable plants, so we need to treat them with respect. And then the other thing is just a small practice that whenever we use a potato, a green onion, or garlic, we save those um, the ends of those, the, the roots of those um, foods and the peelings from the um, potatoes, and we replant them. We do it right away, and they are just so jazzed to come back a few weeks later and see a little green onion springing up, you know. And so it's a small little practice, but it it's a, it contains the bigger idea of using what we have to recreate what we need and to conserve what we need so we can create later. <laughs> it's so simple, you know, but it is complica- complex. This country was stolen from the original people. People were stolen from Africa to um, farm this food, and all of it, it was in the name of capitalism, not in the name of feeding people, not in the name of building community. It was all about money, and that's what's bothering us and troubling us now with this whole climate change issue. So we only have a couple of minutes left. First, I just want to express my gratitude to you for writing this book, for all the work that you do, and and understand that by putting this out on full circle, hopefully we'll give our audience a chance to learn how they can sustain their selves, how they can contribute to carbon reduction, how they can um, foster and generate interest in farming and gardening. Everyone should grow something. That's why I'm giving away succulents myself. I think if we had 7.5 million people growing one succulent plant, we could clear up this carbon in a minute. The carbon issue, I should say. Anyway, we're almost done here. I just wanted to give you the last word. What would you like people to take away from this? And oh, and tell us a little bit. I, I forgot to ask you a little bit more about the work you're doing um, as a professor, the, the UC work. Yeah, well, I mean, it's my students in many ways that inspired me to write this book because a lot of my students, they come from all over California. They come from a bunch of diverse communities. Um, a lot of them are women who are interested in food and farming and agriculture. And they they would come up to me and say, you know, I'm interested in this agriculture stuff, but I don't know that it could be my, my life or my career because I don't see, you know, when I go to class and people talk about sustainable or regenerative agriculture, the pictures don't look like me of the people who are in those fields. <laughs> so I, I know there's all these incredible women of color who are leading in this arena. And this book um, features four of them from all over the country. And I think it's important just to, you know, soak up these stories of the work that's already being done that you can get involved in. Thank you so much for that. That is the voice of Liz Carlisle. She's the author of Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative Farming, among other things. Thank you for joining us, Liz. Go out and get the book, everybody. It's amazing. Thank you. We really appreciate you joining us here on Full Circle. Thank you, Joy. All right. You are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA. FA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And that was graduate apprentice and production consultant to Full Circle, Joy Moore, speaking with Liz Carlisle, an associate professor of environmental studies and the author of Healing Grounds, Climate Justice, and the Deep Roots of Regenerative 
farming. Thank you, Joy. That was some great information. And remember, if you missed any of the websites or social media handles, they will all be posted on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And real quick, I want to take a moment to ask for your support for the station, um, the station that brings you important information like this, KPFA, part of the Pacifica Radio Network, a listener-sponsored radio network that has five stations across the country from here to New York. We got one here in Berkeley, L.A., Houston, D.C., and New York with hundreds of affiliates. So if you can, please take a moment to go to our website, kpfa.org, and make a donation if you can. Celebrate with me that I'm actually back here at the KPFA studios. It's been two years since I actually sat in one of these seats, and um, I'm just glad to be back and looking to learn this new equipment and bring you some more live guests and to train some more students here. So in 2020, when the pandemic hit, the station closed its doors to us and the apprenticeship program scrambled, um, but we adapted within one week and we all started producing shows uh, from home, from apprentices' living rooms and kitchen studios. We kept up with new information. We produced a series of shows about how people were surviving the pandemic, all that. We did in these past couple of years. Please give us a click at kpfa.org or give us a call, 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And uh, if you do it during the hour of 7 to 8 o'clock, you show your support for the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, a program that brings in people from the community like myself, I was taught through the apprenticeship program and teaches them broadcasting skills. And I want to give a big shout out to the other people on the line. We got another anonymous uh, donation from Centerville, M.A. Was that Missouri? And mom, you did it. My mom made a donation from Antioch. Thank you, mom, Roberta. All right. Again, thanks, everyone, on the line. Um, Please, if you have a chance, go to kpfa.org and make a donation or call 1-800-439-5732. We'll get ready over there, Miss M, because up next, I'm about to throw it over to the other side of the control board here in the KPFA studios as our own Miss M will be speaking with Gracie Jones of East Bay Community Law Center. Take it away, Miss M. Thank you, Franklin, and welcome to Full Circle, Gracie Jones. Hello. Thank you so much for having me this evening. You are so so welcome. You are so welcome. So first, would you tell us a little bit about your your personal journey? Yes. So um, I was born and raised in, in the South, in Camden, Arkansas, um, to a loving father and mother, um, I had uh, I have eight siblings. Um, my mother and father always believe in teaching us to have love, you know, for others, and also to be kind and have a strong faith. Um, and um, I was also raised um, in a Baptist church. Uh, my family, um, where I lived, um, yeah, where I lived. Um, in the community that I lived in, we were all just very close. 
my mother was a singer, um, and I learned how to sing also in the church by going to church every Sunday with my family. Um, and we also um, have in our family, um, which you probably know, Sister Rosetta Thorpe, um, who was a wonderful, great singer. And oh, no, that's tall. great. Yes. And so she was a cousin of mine. Um, and so I've always looked up to her and um, and, and also have tried to sing as well as, as her and also others along the way. So uh, you, you've brought that singing um that family singing to uh, wish you, because I understand that you are a part of a, a singing group here in the Bay Area. Is that isn't that correct? Yes, I am. Uh, I, I sing with the uh, Oakland Interfaith Gospel Choir. Uh, Terrence Kelly is the director of that choir, and I sing in the tenor section. Um, I have been in, with that choir for at least the last sixteen years. Well, yes. and you guys are still continuing in the, in these challenging times yes yes we are um we don't get to you know get to too many venues right now because of the uh pandemic uh but we are still rehearsing every monday night um at imani church in oakland and um we do still have events that we are um doing now well let us know about when those events are coming up because we can put it out there to the public so I also want to check in with you about when when did you arrive here in the Bay Area? Um, what brought you here? Yes, yeah, so um, I arrived here in the Bay Area in 1994. Um, my sister, uh, Amanda, and her husband were uh, living in San Francisco, and I came out one summer to visit her, and I fell in love with California. And I knew right then and there, I was like, okay, this is where I want to live. Um, I want to, you know, uh, be able to work here in California. I want to be able to give back to the community in California. And so um, I went back home and told my mother and my father that I wanted to move to California. And um, and that's exactly what I did. Um, and so, yeah, I moved here and um, started taking some classes over at Contra Costa Community College. And um, I also had a child at the time, so my daughter was one year old, and um, I also needed to have, you know, stable employment in order to take care of my child. So I started looking for jobs and ended up um, having to go on to um, AFDC at the time. Um, and I can now really understand also at that time I couldn't really understand it, but now I can really understand the different hurdles that our clients, um, that the clients that I serve have to go through because I also went through some of those same things um, while trying to apply for the different services here in um, in the Bay Area. Um, so yeah. currently you work with the East Bay Community Law Center. How did you get started with them? Yeah, so I was working um, at the Berkeley Housing Authority for about six and a half years uh, prior to me coming to the East Bay Community Law Center. And um, I, uh, the Berkeley Housing Authority at the time did not have a full-time position open at the time where I could be able to stay there and continue working at the Housing Authority. Um, so I went out and um, was applying for jobs, and I applied for a position for a front office receptionist at the East Bay Community Law Center. 
and I prayed um, that I would get that position. And I went in. I had to go to two different interviews. And after that second interview, they called me the next day and told me that I um, I had the position. And so, and I've been working at the East Bay Community Law Center now. Uh, last Thursday, May 12th, made uh, 19 years for me. So what is your role there now? Yes, I am a project manager um, at the East Bay Community Law Center, and um, I my primarily uh, primary goal right now is assisting uh, clients that call our office that are income eligible with uh, rental assistance. We're trying to connect them to local organizations that are uh, providing rental assistance, or also doing applications with them to apply for rental assistance. And what is the scope of their services? What do uh, they help the public with? What does the East Bay Community Law Center help the public with? Yes. Okay, yes. Um, So the East Bay Community Law Center has eight clinics that that provide free legal services to the community. Each of these clinics offer legal services, policy advocacy, and clinical training for Berkeley students. The eight units are housing, immigration, social work, health and welfare, consumer justice, clean slate, community economic justice, as well as education, defense, and justice for youth. That is fabulous. And we understand that recently, uh, May 12th, I think it was, that you were recognized for your many years of service by not only the Berkeley Housing Authority, but the East Bay Community Law Center as well. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so my um, my office... Um Threw me a celebration there at the office with my coworkers and and our director Zoe Polk and um, and it was a nice uh, celebration for you know uh, just for me to be able to come there and be with my team and actually just realize that it has been 19 years since I've been doing this work. And I was so honored that um, I was able to share that time with them and also celebrate, um, you know, because this is, you know, it it really doesn't even feel like to me that it's been 19 years, but um, I know it has been. Um, And also the Berkeley Housing Authority um, honored me at one of their board meetings on last Thursday, and they uh, were able. To, they gave me a, a uh, an award there at that uh, board meeting, and also um, talked about the years of service that I have been working with their organization, along with all of. There's been many other organizations um, here in Berkeley and also throughout um, Alameda County that I've also worked with as well. Is there any before we close anything else that you would like to share with us? Yes. Um, I would I would definitely like to share that um, I'm honored um, to have this position at the East Bay Community Law Center. And after 19 years of doing this work, I could not have done done it without the team of attorneys, the law students that I have worked with, the community providers, the directors that um, have um, been in charge of the East Bay Community Law Center, our board members. Um, who have held us together for over the years. Um, And we are all at the East Bay Community Law Center um, very thankful and grateful um, for uh, also the funders that have um, funded the East Bay Community Law Center. So um, I just look forward to another 19, 20 years working at the East Bay Community Law Center and serving the community. That's what I get up every each and every day and do, and I have such a passion for it, and it definitely comes from my heart. 
How about uh, sharing the contact information for our listeners? Uh, where can, how can people reach the East Bay Community yes. Law Center? Yes. So um, we are located at 2921 Adeline Street in Berkeley. And right now um, our office is, uh, is not open where the public can walk in, but you definitely can call to our office, and that phone number is 510-548-4040. And um, you can leave a voicemail message, and one of our staff members will give you a call back and see if we can help you. Crazy Jones, thank you so much for being with us on Full Circle. Okay, thank you so much for having me as well. You're quite welcome. Bye-bye. And now, back to our host, Free Will and Franklin. <laughs> Thank you so much, Miss M. It's good to get on the air with you. I haven't even looked through this glass and in so long to see you on the other side pushing the buttons. It's been a pleasure tonight. And yes, um, that was Miss M interviewing Gracie Jones of the East Bay Law Center. And tonight we've been featuring community organizations and the community garden, regenerative gardening, and... This is information that we get to bring you on KPFA. I mean, we brought you so much information in the um, the past. Tonight, those were the um, the chosen topics. But in the past, we've we've been to Standing Rock. I went out to Standing Rock as part of Flashpoints and Londa and reported on those two shows as well as Full Circle. We went out to Creech Air Force Base and we camped for a week in the desert. It was so hot during the day, but at the night it was so cold. And then we helped shut down. And report on the shutdown of Creech Air Force Base in Nevada, where they operate the drones, the killer drones. We've been to the southern border. We went down to Arizona and met on the Tohono O'odham Indian land down there at the United Nations Convention. They had about um, border um, violations by uh, the border guards, uh, human rights violations by the border guards on the indigenous people who have land on both sides of the border on what is now Mexico and what is now the United States, split their thousands of years of home into two. So we went down there and reported on that. These are some of the stories that we've covered, and, I mean, the list goes on. We're coming up tomorrow. I think Mickey and some other folks are going to record some sounds at the Malcolm X Jazz Festival, something we've done for years as part of the apprenticeship program, and we bring that sound back to you. In June, we're heading to Juneteenth, West Oakland, Juneteenth. We're going to be out there recording some um, interviews for you and bring that back to you. So if you are able tonight to make a donation to us here at Full Circle on KPFA, please do so. Go to kpfa.org. I actually get to look at the computer screen now and see if people are uh, donating because before I had to submit a show that just had me asking for donations and then thanking people that called. I didn't even know if anybody was even on there. So celebrate with me. I'm back in the KPFA studio. The number, 1-800-439-5732. And you can remember that number by remembering 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Hey, Franklin's back at... KPFA. Really, though, the best way that you can make a donation to KPFA these days is our new website, kpfa.org. Every time someone calls or gets on the line, you know, we're we're paying a great um, phone service to help us. But you can make a donation at kpfa.org and cut out the middleman. And maybe you would like to be a sustaining member 
You can give $10 a month to KPFA. And that's income that we know is coming, and it really helps us out. So, again, KPFA or KPFA.org. You can pick up a banned book bag. It's a great tote bag full of banned books. Can you believe it? Books are being banned here in the United States. Don't say gay. You can't even say gay. At schools, what is a kid supposed to do if they're being closed down for their true identity? We know what happens if they don't get to express themselves. They might attempt suicide. Tonight, we brought you information of the Rainbow Community Center who gives that supportive environment. It's the only support organization in eastern Contra Costa County that's really working like that. Rainbow Community Center in Concord. Check them out. You learned about them tonight on KPFA. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And I can say we made our $1,000 goal. Whoop, whoop. Can we make 1500 Because we're getting close. And we are at 1165 We got about two minutes left. If you can show your appreciation tonight, if you donate to KPFA, think about donating the full circle. We're a training program here. Did you hear Vilma V the other day blowing up the apprenticeship program on the air? She's a first voice graduate. The board ops that are out here, when people thank Rod on the, on the board, Rod got his training at the apprenticeship program. When people thank Miguel Guerrero, thank Miguel on the air, he got his training in the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Make a donation donation if you can. we still got just about a minute and 10 seconds. 1-800-439-5732 or kpfa.org, the easiest way. And we got a couple more donations. Thank you, Anonymous from Oakland. And we got a donation from San, San Jose. Thank you so much. Um, we're still at 1,165 for the hour. Just, you hear our theme music. We got about 40 seconds. Can we get one more? One more. 1-800-439-5732. 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Let me do a quick shout-out to our host tonight. This is the end of our show. Shout out to Miss M on the controls. Shout out to Joy Moore, our production consultant. Me, Freewell and Franklin, your host, and all our special guests tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned because La Onda Bajita is up next on KPFA. Good night, everyone.